Hi, I'm Jim Shooter, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Well, greetings, Cap fans. Welcome to episode 174 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm Rick Furbanis, and I am your host for this series, and I have the best gosh darn co-host out there. His name is Bob Lucius, and this is the part where I say Bob in a different greeting. Oh, Bob. Hey, Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? Hey, Joe, I said, where are you going with that gun in your hand? Where are you going to run to now? Where are you going to run to? Hey, Joe. <laughs> well, I, I know it has something to do with Joe, uh, but, <laughs> but I'm unfamiliar with uh, the, is it a lyric? Is, oh, oh yeah, was, that's yeah. A lyric. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that is a song made famous by Jimi Hendrix and the name of the song, Hey, Joe. Uh, and, um, there was <laughs> of a, it, of course it is. There was a, yeah. uh, well, it wasn't written by him though. There was a, a written by, um, well, it's a little bit contested, but, uh, Billy Roberts may have done that back in the early sixties, but, uh, Jimi Hendrix made it famous years later. Um, and, uh, yeah. So why am I greeting you with, Hey Joe? Well, I, I have a feeling it might have something to do with the name of one of the characters in this story we're about to read tonight. Oh, Bob, I swear. It's almost like you're starting to pay attention. <laughs> well, yeah, well, squirrel. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are covering today Captain America 246. And if you're thinking, oh, 246, it came out in 1980. Oh, cool. That's that Roger Stern, John Byrne era. <laughs> you're off by just one issue right uh right. yeah this is yeah. the one right before roger stern and john byrne came on and it does have a character uh that goes by joe and we'll get to that in a little bit uh i did struggle with this with this greeting to you bob i i really wanted to bring it back to more than just the name of the, the character i was i was looking for top 10 songs from 1980 that had joe in it I looked at top 10 TV series and movies in 1980. Did you know of the top 10 TV series and movies that there was neither a cast member or a character with Joe in it? It's only like the most common name for right. a guy. Yeah. Wow. I would not have guessed that. I would not I, have guessed that. I yeah. tried desperately. Then I started looking at like, you know, puns and, and bad jokes uh, that had Joe in it, uh, and they were just awful. I mean, uh, here you go. Uh, knock, knock. Uh, who's there, Rick? Joe. Don't do it. Don't. <laughs> don't. don't, don't. <laughs> is, it, is it Joe Mama? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's so my son's awful. favorite knock-knock joke. Is it really? It, oh my gosh! It is yeah. god awful. I was like, it I is. can't do that. I can't open with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, yeah, it was. There was a bunch of different things out there, but anyway. Um, so I, I decided to go with just just plain old lyrics referencing Joe. Um, but anyway, we're here now. 
Yeah, we're here now, and we can't even. It's nighttime, so we can't even have a big cup of Joe. Mm. So, oh, yeah. there were plenty of jokes about. Oh, what's Joe's favorite drink? Or <laughs> what? What's Joe have with his donuts? You know, like oh god, just really bad Joe jokes. Speaking of bad jokes, uh, Rick, I, I led a field trip today for uh, a group of college students. It wasn't my mm. class this time, uh, but there was a there was sort of a weird situation going on where I felt like I needed to be present for this particular group of students because of one of the students who had been causing some issues for the professor, and I didn't want my my the two folks that I work with to have to deal with this kid if, if a problem arose. So I took it and I tried out a new joke on them. Okay. So, let's hear yeah. it. All right. So, now, you know, now, now, now the audience again is what age group are we talking about? These are, these are juniors and seniors in college. Okay. Yeah. So university students, so sophisticated. Mm, yes. uh, yeah. You know, so mm, uh, yes. It, yes, yes. So we're out there and I'm talking about the different, of course, megafauna, you know, Florida panthers and black bears, and there's coyotes and feral hogs. We don't have oh wolves. I, we don't have wolves out there. I say they don't, they're not this far south. But what do you call a wolf, I said, who is acutely sensitive to its surroundings? <laughs> what? And they're all looking at me and I'm like, it's called an aware wolf. <laughs> how many groans did you get oh there were several several groans yeah uh, i'm like that was classic what are you talking about in a werewolf <laughs> so yeah that's a tough crowd uh yeah uh oh yeah there is another really bad joe joke now when i say this answer you need to reply you're joking. Okay. All right. Here we All go. Right, here we go. All right. Did you know that Stephen King has a son named Joe? You're joking. No, but he is. <laughs> okay. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. So I, I went down another wormhole. I was like, oh, does Stephen King really, who, who were the names of his children? Sure enough, he has a son named Joe. Oh, well, he gets a good joke, apparently. Good for yeah. him. Good for yeah. him. Uh, and so that was uh, 37 minutes wasted of my night uh, <laughs> trying to, to come up with a yeah. proper hello to you. Oh, wow. Well, I hope you were at least self-entertained. I was. So, so Bob, uh, this was supposed to be the episode where we cover our first meeting together after yeah. all this time. Uh, after uh, three years of podcast, almost four years of knowing each other, uh, through the Facebook group. And, uh, I go down to Florida, uh, in Orlando this past weekend for, uh, original art expo OAX and, um, had a, a really good time and was looking forward to meeting. I had shirts made, Bob. I know. I know. I and had you look handsome made. in that shirt too. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I was rocking the guns. You were, it, it yeah. did make you like a little like you've been hitting the gym. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately we didn't, we didn't connect. We did not. Yes. Yeah. We had an emergency. Well, yeah, I guess it constitutes an emergency. You know, you know that uh, a few weeks ago, my, my own, my dad passed. And so, right. you know, I went home for that and uh, we had to make up some shows for that. Um, but this week, something really strange happened. So my, my wife, my wife's from Ohio. And she had a really close friend um, in, in high school and, uh, and they're still very close. And the, this, this, this woman who's my, my wife's friend, her mom 
um, who my wife was extremely close with. In fact, my wife recently went back to get an award at the high school that she um, she graduated from as like, a, I don't know, some sort of like, I don't know, like they only have, do have like, I think they have like a, a dozen of these going back 50 years where they honor fearless high school graduates, you know, mm -hmm. for their accomplishments in life. And my wife went back because this woman had, uh, had nominated her for that honor. And, and so this, this woman was like a, a second mother to, to, to my wife. And mm -hmm. uh, in, in December, she, she came, came down with uh, some illness and uh, she was going back to the hospital and uh, they were planning a treatment regimen. And, and then suddenly last week um, it just, took a turn for the worse mm. and she you know went into hospice care uh, end of life comfort care and she only had uh, a few days to live and so my wife you know desperately wanted to fly back there and, and say her goodbyes to this mm -hmm. woman and so it was a terrible situation she flew back i guess it was on thursday and, and she spent of course as, as things go she got stuck at the airport in chicago overnight because flight got canceled or connection yeah. to yeah, ohio she was able to get out uh, the next day, fortunately, an earlier flight than they had scheduled her for. They were going to put her on the next night's flight. And she got there and was able to, um, to visit her twice before she passed on, on Saturday night. So, uh, so it was certainly unexpected, um, mm -hmm. but uh, definitely a necessary thing for, for Casey to be able to go out there and, and, and say her goodbyes. Yeah. Now it's glad uh, I'm glad that she was had that opportunity. I'm sure it must have been so stressful being stuck in the airport knowing that the clock was literally ticking. Yeah. You know, and I and my my wife's a pretty strong person. I I, I rarely ever hear her uh you know get emotional or or cry and I mean she was just like beside herself Thursday night at the airport, you know, not knowing what to do, but you know, 15 minutes, she buckled down and figured it all out and got it all sorted out and, and powered on through. So she's a, she's a tough, tough lady. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it, very unfortunate. Uh, and, but, uh, glad Casey was, was able to get that time in. So, uh, I guess we'll, I guess we'll let it slide, Bob, that, uh, that, uh, I guess you had a reason why you, you couldn't make it, yeah. uh, in your own state. But, you know, right. Yeah. My own state, too. And it turned out it wasn't nearly as far as I it's, it was about three and a half hours. I thought it'd be closer to four and a half to get up there. Mm -hmm. uh, and it might have been who knows with traffic. But uh, but I had I had planned actually to leave a little bit later in order to get up there because it didn't look like quite as far. Um, well, I, I will tell you, uh, speaking, my flight was three hours and uh, I had I, I had some really good luck during this trip. Mm. Um, so. Just you know things things that just kind of worked them worked out well. Like um, I'm on the plane, and uh, you ever see the movie Departed, uh, Martin um, Scorsese film? With, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it takes place yeah. in Boston, you know, and yeah. all star cast, right? Right. For whatever reason, I never seen it, and so uh, you know it's a long movie. It's it's almost two and a half hours. Yeah. And, and you know you you go and you start a movie, and then it, it warns you. It says there may not be enough time to to finish this movie and i was like uh well i really want to see it so i i went ahead and played it and uh we're 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 landing and um it's towards the end but it's not the end and then and then we're on the runway and there's a little bit of a delay on the runway and i'm getting to see a little bit more and you, you know i'm not going to give away the ending but uh you know there's 
there's like three characters that something major happens to, you know, uh, at the very end. So you get to see how each one of these characters, like, you know, how what things end up with. And so, you know, in the, just the last few minutes of the movie, right. And I'm sitting there on the runway. We get to the, the gate. People are starting to unload, you know, I'm towards the back of the plane. And sure enough, I get to finish the movie, like literally like seconds before it's my turn to get out of the seat. Wow. I know. I yeah. felt really lucky. Now that on the way, up. on the flight back, same thing happened. I was watching a different movie, same scenario. Seconds before it was my turn to get out. The, the, the movie ended. Uh, so I, I don't know. I thought that that's, was, that is, that's good luck. That's hey, good luck. I, you know, you, you mentioned Robert De Niro and, and just for the sake I of, I did not listen- mention Robert De Niro. You know why I didn't mention Robert De Niro? Why? Cause he wasn't in any of the movies I watched. Well, he wasn't in departed. No, I thought he was in departed. No, no, that would, that would uh, be, uh, well, that just ruins my, my, my story. And my, I was going to um, offer some, some golden advice that i learned. Oh, so i was watching the godfather okay uh, uh on uh yeah. on the plane bob <laughs> and uh uh all-star cast loved loved bobby d he was bobby awesome in it. Yeah, yeah 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 well here's oh, so, what, uh, yeah go ahead yeah i got a little advice uh this is the art of lowering your expectations so i'm just this is something i learned today it's important to lower your expectations so i got the is new- that what you told casey yeah, well, it's connected to that. So I got the new issue of the new AARP magazine today. <laughs> and it has Bobby De Niro on the cover. So uh-huh. I'm like, oh, it's a good bathroom reading. So I just I, you know, put it in there and, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I want to get to this when I need to get to it. And so I'm pretty excited because there's an article on page 24 that says sex secrets of over 50 couples. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is. But you're be- not an over fifty couple. You're just an over fifty man. <laughs> I'm an over fifty man. Yeah, that's how it works. You know, all the tide rises raises uh, all boats. Yeah, you know, Casey. Yeah, now yeah. she's an over fifty couple. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm gonna read this. This has sex secrets. You know, to spice uh-huh. up uh, over fifty couples. You know, love life. So I pick it up and I and um like I'm reading it in my first opportunity. Turn to page twenty four immediately. Skip over all the you know the financial advice. Uh-huh. You know, don't get scammed by scam you know articles and i get to it and you know what the like the sex secrets are rick i don't know bob what yeah get plenty of sleep (laughs) drink lots of water (laughs) (laughs) you know it's almost like they knew you were on the toilet i know and i'm like (laughs) this is these are the sizzling secrets it's aarp aarp magazine is no cosmo i guess that's Uh. what i'm saying you know so you got to moderate your expectations of the advice you're going to find in AARP magazine <laughs> for at least so, for that, <laughs> at least for that. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah. All right. Well then I guess I don't have to read my copy. Yeah. You can skip over that. Article. Mm, yeah. I'll just get right to the scam parts. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the, and the ads for phones with the big buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did have a successful trip though, even though I didn't get a chance to meet you, Bob. Um, uh, I did get a chance to meet some other people. So uh, Alberto Gonzalez. Yes. Right. My yeah. Captain America original art nemesis. Yeah. Uh, who has been on the show. Uh, yeah. We got to hang out all That's weekend. Cool. Yeah. So uh, really good time hanging out with him. He's a nice guy. Uh, we had a, a big uh, Fred Hembeck sketch card exchange. Yes. Uh, I traded him a red skull and he traded me a batrock de Lipa. beautiful nice trade i've seen it both. was an excellent trade thank you and uh 
There was a couple other people from our group that were there. Uh, Thomas Derrick was there, uh, right. you know, from the Facebook group uh, yeah. and uh, listened to the show. Uh, got to meet, you know, a lot of uh, creators there, writers, artists, and so on. Um, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm about to check in to the, uh, the hotel and standing in the line right in front of me was John Beatty. Wow. And, okay. uh, he's there with a friend of his and I'm walking up and he goes, there's Rick Verbonis. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, yeah. hey, John. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, uh, you know, we, we talked a little off and on over the weekend, uh, real super nice guy, uh, mm -hmm. very friendly recommend anybody. Um, you know, if you get a chance to go to a show that John's at, uh, check him out. Uh, he does, he does really cool sketches. He has some, some art that he has for sale. Um, you know, but also he's got fun stories. And of course, you know, he's been a guest on the show and we, you know, we've had him on. Uh, and, uh, and as I'm leaving, he was like, all right, well, I'll listen to you on the show. So uh, oh apparently, my. apparently, wow. apparently John listens. That's nice. Um, and then I was successful in, um, in getting some other guests to agree to come on the show, which was also a reason for me going, uh, I did get, uh, a maybe, which it means no in my experience <laughs> and then uh but at least it's a polite no yeah. right um mm. and then uh but then i got a flat out no Ooh. like this is the first time i've ever got a flat out no most wow. of the time they're just like oh, well i really don't do those but um yeah you know maybe yeah, yeah you know talk to my people. but this guy was flat out no and then he was like uh uh asked me after he said no he said and how many listeners do you have and then yeah. he was like, and what's in it for me to come on your show? Yeah. And uh, I don't have anything to promote. Immortality. And, uh, um, anyway, I, yeah. uh, it was, it was, I was like, okay, that's, that's cool. No, no, no problem. You know? Yeah. Um, Did but, you see uh, Paolo? Oh yeah. Yeah. Paolo Rivera. Yeah. yeah. I brought my, my three pages there, uh, even mm -hmm. though they were already signed. I just, I just felt like I wanted to, to bring them. And so see Paolo, they're really appreciated. Yeah. And, um, and then he, uh, he, yeah, we chatted for a little while. Um, and, uh, he was excited to hear Paul Jenkins is going to be, uh, on the show. And, um, and then he, uh, you know, he did, uh, for, for, uh, comic art fan live, he did some, uh, head sketches and color, um, like little tiny, just like the yeah. kind of heads you see on a corner box. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, um, he did a captain America and then he, he turned them into, um, stickers. Oh, that's cool. And so uh, I asked yeah. him, I was like, well, how much do stickers cost? He goes, ah, here. And he gave me a little nice. strip of stickers. Yeah. You know, he sent, um, like, I ordered a print from him, and, and he did a little uh, Peggy Carter. Oh, that's cool. Head, head on the uh, on the lower corner of it. Very cool. Yeah, with her red hat. Very neat. Ah, yeah. I don't know if I've seen that. Yeah, it was cool. Well, I was unexpected. So. Yeah, and nice. he has... Um, I mean, the pages I have are from Captain America Mythos, and it's pages five, seven, and eight. Mm -hmm. So he still has six on his website. And I was he like, does. You, I was like, you, you, yeah. and and it's three times as much as what the other pages went for. So I think it was kind of yeah. like a, I want to keep this. 
Yeah. But if someone pays me this money, I'll, yeah. I'll sell it. I mean, so some I, of the pages I, were still relatively inexpensive. Yeah. They weren't yeah. the ones with, you know, there was one with Steve in it, you know, as a young kid. I, I love that double page spread with the Avengers. Yeah, that's a beautiful. There's, there's some nice pages. But yeah. yeah, most of the ones that are really nice that are left are definitely higher up now. Yeah. So I told him, I was like, you know, I've got five, seven, eight, uh, you know, six needs to join their brothers. And he's like, yeah, I got that somewhere in the house. Uh <laughs> 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 so, uh, one of these days, uh, but I did pick up some, some cool, some cool pieces, uh, on, only one piece that was not prearranged, um, that I picked up at the show and, and it's not Captain America, Bob. Yeah. Well, it's good. You've got to have, uh, you know, spice of life, man. I know. But once, once you start going out, out of your channel, yeah. then, then the pocketbook just gets, yeah, the dike you know, starts getting, getting holes in the dike. You know, um, so, holes in the dike of self-restraint, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something, so, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Don't dike me again like that. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing too is uh, I had the last two years, 2022 and 2023, I had maxed my annual original art budget by April. Right. Yeah. Uh, I set a record in 2024. Uh, right. I was able to do it on January 28th. Wow. Good for you, man. You are an overachiever. <laughs> I really am. That just means I need to sell or trade some stuff. So hit me up, original art fans out there. If you, you want to make a deal on something I've got, uh, send me a note. All right, Bob, should we get to uh, today's issue? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so recovering today, Captain America 246. This had a release date of March 11th, 1980, but it had a cover date of June 1980. And uh, it the the creative team, uh, we have writer Peter Gillis. Now, interestingly enough, Peter Gillis um, had only really started writing comics in 1978, um, and he was pretty busy uh, up until about 19, I want to say maybe mid late eighties, um, as far as writing. And then I think he stopped. I think his last thing was, uh, for Marvel was in 1992. And so, um, you know, had a, about a 14 year span on his career. So this was pretty early in, in his career. Um, in fact, he wrote four issues of Captain America, and uh, this one uh, it was his fourth. So his first comic he ever wrote was Captain America 224. Bob, do you remember 224? The I title to it was Saturday Night Fuhrer. I don't remember. All right. On the cover, it is Captain America being dragged out of the river with his head. Oh down. yeah, that's a that's a great cover. You know what else was really uh, special about that issue? What? That was the very first Mike Zek Captain America issue. Well, I'll be darned. It was yeah. just a fill in, and yeah. and it it didn't quite look like the style that we know. Uh, it was before you kind of really developed into into that style. Uh, but anyway, so um, Peter Gillis wrote. 224 and then he came back that was in in 78 and 79 he came back to two issues back to back 238 239 that was a two-part story um where 
S.H.I.E.L.D. asks him to go rescue this telepath in, in the mountains. And you probably saw the John Byrne covers where he's on the side of a mountain and there's like a hawk coming towards him as mm -hmm. he's hanging, right? Yeah. So he did those two. And then he finished his cap. Uh, Why? Well, actually, I take that back. He did this one, 246. And then three years later, he did um, Captain America Annual Number 7. Ah. So he's the writer for this story. And then the penciler is Jerry Bingham. Now, if that name doesn't ring a bell, it's because uh, he didn't do a ton. Um, he also got his break in 1978. He was doing some DC stuff, but he's mostly a fill-in fill -in artist. He, he really didn't have too many runs, uh, at least for Marvel or DC. Um, you know, maybe four or five issues tops, but a lot, lot of single fill-ins. And this was uh, his only uh, Captain America story that he did. And then the inker was Al Gordon, who who's longtime inker. Colorist Bob Sharon, friend of the show. Letterer Jim Novak. Editor Jim Salakrup. And then editor-in-chief would be Jim Shooter. I don't have a uh, solicitation for this one, Bob. Very sorry to tell you that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But do you want to take us through the cover? Sure. Yeah. So uh, it's really a great cover. There's a lot of detail, a lot of nice little uh, little features in this cover that I think would appeal to a lot of Marvel fans, regardless of whether you're a Cap fan or not. But basically what we see is we see an elevated uh, train track uh, in what looks to be New York City. And there's lots of buildings in the background. And, and we, we've got like a 45 degree downward angle looking at uh, uh, a bunch of trains on this elevated train track. And you can see cars below the, the, the elevated train track. But on top of the cars, we see Cap and we see another guy that we haven't really seen before. And mm -hmm. he's got sort of a little crazy uniform. It's uh, it's orange and green. So he's got uh, like basically a green bodysuit, but he's got orange boots and, and uh, orange gauntlets. And he's got this orange skin tight uh, mask over his head uh, and sort of orange uh, uh, padding around his uh, collarbone area. And he an orange midsection briefs as well. And he is uh, he's kicking cap. And he's connecting with the shield and Cap is falling back and they're fighting over the gap between two of these trains. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an interesting kick. It's like he's, you know, I'm going to use a sports uh, analogy here, right? It looks like what? he's kicking a football, Rick. That's that's not a fighting kick, um, but he's connecting with the shield and mm -hmm. kicking cap back but one of the interesting features here is all over the trains are graffiti and it's the names of, of different creators that have contributed to marvel comics uh, over the previous decades so really kind of a cool feature to just kind of zoom in if you're looking on a digital version of this or put on your reading glasses if you're not and get real close to that cover and uh, just look at some of the names that are displayed yeah can you make any out well, sure. Uh, you know, what do we got here? Looks like we've got uh, Rick Parker and we got Al Smith and Helen Katz and uh, Joe Sinnott and uh, uh, Bill Mantlo and uh, Jim Shooter and Mike Higgins. Uh, gosh, all kinds of names on here. Yeah, there's a um, ton. There's tons, a ton. Right? Yeah, they, they had a lot of fun minutes. with this. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So John, John Byrne, uh, uh, Mark Grunewald, Al Milgram, uh, all kinds. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. Um, it's a really fun, you know, way to do that. And also, you know, who owns this cover? Well, who do you think? Is it Alberto? It's Alberto. (laughs) (laughs) I think I might've seen that. Uh, posted at some point or yeah. Something. yeah yeah of, of course he does yeah uh and uh did you mention the artist i did not okay it's by george perez uh penciled by george perez and inked by terry austin now interestingly enough like if you look up george perez covers uh he started doing covers in 1974 so he had done plenty of covers by by the time he he got to this, however, Bob, uh, and and and, gosh, knows that he did a ton of uh, Avengers. So he's he's no stranger to doing Captain America on a cover. You know what I mean? Uh, with yeah. all those Avengers covers that he did. But uh, this is the second cover that he did, uh, and the first one was just a few issues before with issue two forty three. Alberto have that one as well? I don't think so. No. No. Yeah. Goals. I know. Right. <laughs> uh the name of the story is Sins of the Fathers. And the antagonist, the, the the man kicking Captain America on on the train, uh, his name is Joe Smith. Pretty pretty uh yeah. Plain, common yeah. name, fairly generic, I should say, right. name, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. Now, but Joe, Joe actually had been around before this, mm-hmm. and uh, interestingly enough, it's been a while. So Joe debuted in 1966 in Amazing Spider-Man 38, and so uh, Gillis decided here it is, 14 years later to to go back and and take a look at this character yeah. and so uh i'm gonna go ahead and just just get people the backstory uh so people understand what happened in that stan lee steve ditko story back in 1966 and the name of that story was just a guy named joe So Joe Smith has dreams of becoming a boxing champ, and after begging Tommy Tompkins to let him fight, the older man becomes his manager. Unfortunately for Joe, he's a poor boxer and is ridiculed by others. Taking pity on Joe, Tompkins gets him a job as an extra on a sci-fi movie. While shooting the scene, an arc light falls in a puddle of chemicals and shocks Joe. Joe is shooting another scene where he has to attack stuntmen. As he fights them, he begins to lose it as a result of the shock and goes on a rampage with debris flying everywhere, getting the attention of Peter Parker. Spider-Man emerges and Joe gets angrier seeing another person trying to keep them down. They fight and after a pause in the action, Joe regains his senses and he runs away with Tompkins. Meanwhile... Norman Osborn is disguised and offers $20,000 to criminals to get rid of Spider-Man. Back at Empire State University, Gwen again sees Pete in a positive light, admiring his strength and courage. As word gets out that Spider-Man has a bounty on his head, he's busy fighting crooks coming at him left and right. As he fights, he hears a commotion at a gym, 
seeing Joe Smith pounding on the other boxers. After a few punches to Joe, he's knocked out of his delusion, and Tompkins runs in before he's arrested. Tompkins says the charges have been dropped and that the movie company wants to give Joe a large starring role for his impressive display. So that is where we left off uh, Joe Smith. And he plucked him out of obscurity from 14 years before and plopped him into the story. I love when that happens. Yeah. It's always fun when a writer or editor does that. Yeah. All right. I'm pulling out my handy dandy personal copy for this one, Bob. Did you read the description on the cover the the little box? I don't think you did. Uh, I mean, no, I didn't. Yeah, that's probably a good idea to mention that. You, yeah. you want me to do, you know, we've done this before, right? Yeah, I know. But I, okay. you know, I, I, uh, there are I people didn't... listening, Bob. Yeah. Are they? I, I hope so. Well, it may well be that they are. Yeah. All right. I'll, I, I, I'll read it then. Okay. okay go ahead. All right. Yeah, you've already he was just a guy named Joe until society stole his son. Now he's fighting back, and he may just be Cap's deadliest foe. Okay. You don't you don't seem convinced on <laughs> deadliest foe. Might be a bit of an exaggeration to mm -hmm. sell this this issue. A little hyperbole just it to might be. sell this comic. Yeah, it might be. Okay. Uh yeah, but the corner box, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh the artist that did this corner box actually is John Byrne. And uh, it is him holding a shield in his left hand and he's running. He's got his right leg extended and he's kind of running, um, you know, towards the, the, the reader. And um, yeah, so even though John Byrne doesn't start on the art until next issue, they actually got him to do the corner box art for and for two issues, 245 and 246. And um, because they knew he was going to be big. I mean, it was a big name coming onto the series, so they wanted to, to get that done as soon as possible. So it is uh, a little precursor to what's to come. Stanley presents Captain America. So uh, opening splash, we have a uh, a guy we, we don't recognize, uh, just looks like a civilian. Uh, a, you know, somebody dressed a, a man, you know, older than middle-aged, I'd say, probably pushing 60 or something like that. Um, and he's got a suit on a coat and tie and he's, uh, he's running down a darkened street. You see the moon and clouds behind him. Um, and, uh, he looks terrified. And then the sins of the fathers is done in like floating paper, uh, at his feet, as well as, uh, the credits. Meet Martin Harris. He is a member of the board of education of the city of New York. Martin is a quiet man. He loves Italian food. He has been learning Spanish to do his job better. Martin Harris does not want to die tonight. Well, that sucked me in. I can I can get with that. Yeah. Turn the page. <laughs> He's still running, but we see a shadowy figure in the background. Martin doesn't look behind him to see if the figure is still following him. It is closer than ever. Suddenly, it rips a street lamp right out of its base plunging the whole street into darkness. Martin wonders why this is happening to him. He is a bureaucrat, a family man. He has no dark secrets in his past. This is insane. 
and he ducks down to an alley to hope to hide. Martin always believed deep down that good people were somehow protected from things like this. How is then is this possible? He wants to ask the huge figure why, but finds he can only wheeze exhaustedly. And then the the man wearing the uniform that you described on the cover walks up to him and puts his two armored fists above him about to strike. The wheezing stops after the fists hit him a few times. Next page, uh, and we see Steve Rogers in his civilian identity in his apartment, and he is at the artist board because he has a job as an artist. And coming in through his door is his neighbor and friend, Josh Cooper. Elsewhere, the man who is a worldwide symbol, as Captain America is trying to carve a new name for himself as Steve Rogers' commercial artist. Well, if it isn't good neighbor Josh, say you look terrible. Hi, Steve. Hope I'm not interrupting your work. You are, but who cares? Sit down. You look like you're carrying the world's weight on your shoulders. What's the matter? It's just a rough week, Steve. I need to talk about it to somebody. I don't know if I told you, but I, I teach kids with severe learning disabilities, brain damage cases, that sort of thing. With some, it's a big victory if they stack one block on top of the other. Not that I'm complaining. I love these kids. And as a matter of fact, my kids did pretty well this week. What happened was Joey. He's one of my friend Larry's kids. Two days ago, he just went into severe convulsions. And turn the page. And the story continues. Larry rushed him to the hospital as fast as he could. I phoned Joey's father, name of Joe Smith. There was nothing the doctors could do. Joey was dead within hours. Joey's old man took it pretty hard. It's not even surprising. None of our kids are expected to live long. But they're great kids, Steve. They try so hard. You, you go on with them, build up hope, then boom. And sometimes it, it gets to you. Thanks for listening, man. It helps. And he walks out of the room. Anytime, Josh. Maybe the world could use fewer Captain Americas and more Josh Coopers. A few days later, uh, the two of them were in the middle of the day walking down a, a busy street. This is it, Mr. Rogers. The Chamber Street Market. If you want to survive in New York without a pile of money... It's the place to shop. It's colorful, Josh. I'll say that. And what would you say is going on on, on this street, Bob? Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, uh, sidewalk vendors Rick, selling uh, clothes and food. And, you know, we got one guy, he's, he's trying to uh, uh, interest people in, in neckties. Uh, it's something that you see in, you know, any urban center. I've, we've seen them all over the world, uh, in fact. Uh, it's a great place to, to go get knockoff items or used items, uh, stuff really really cheap two dollars for pants that's the price uh, or my father paid for the pants during the war i got news for you steve these are the same pants suddenly the hubbub of the street is pierced by racing police sirens sirens it could mean trouble i'd better uh, but then again it could be something routine should i hey steve look you do, need, you do need a good stereo, neighbor. 
and the prices are great here. But then the sirens are followed by more sirens, those vans. They're Lieutenant Keating's special powers task force. That means supervillains. That sinks it. And we turn the page. Josh, I, I hate to do this, but I just remembered something I, I have to do. Would you mind if I... What? Oh, sure. See you later. Minutes later, the police have thrown a cordon around the federal building in a nearby Foley Square. Repeat, this is the police. With all civilians, please leave the area. What's going on, officer? Hey, Evans, you showed up. This is a real screwy one. This costume guy burst past the building security men like they were nothing. Then he takes the elevator up to the social security offices. Can you figure it? The elevator. And then, from the sound of things, he just starts tearing the place apart. And all that time, not one word, one boast, one challenge. I I've seen my share of super-powered psychos, Cap, but there's something scary about this one. Good luck. And by that time, Cap's there, and he confronts, confronts the uh, armored man. All right, mister. This is Captain America speaking. Stop it. Now. I don't know who you are, villain. And I don't care. And at the word villain, the figure tenses noticeably. The figure makes a 15-foot jump from a standing start and is on top of Cap. But Cap puts his shield up, and just as he's about to pound Cap, and it makes a loud noise, Bob. Spang! Good Lord, this one's a maniac. That was a killing blow. But I can handle it. And he punches him. And as... Uh, as the, the the villain is kind of getting his senses back, looking up, friend, I sincerely suggest you give up. I don't want to hurt. Ah! And just then, Cap uh, uh, is, is caught off guard by the savagery of the attack. The bones of his skull begin to crack. But Cap flips him over him. Like he, he kind of rolls down and uses like a, a judo move and flips him into, uh, crashes into a table. That does it. You're sick, mister. And I was beginning to feel sorry for you for that reason. But I have my limits. But the madman will not be stopped. He leaps again, like an animal. In response, Cap's eyes turn grim. There are now two silent fighting machines in the ruined offices. One, a fierce champion of justice, and the other, in a parody of a lover's embrace, the man grabs Cap, begins to squeeze, and he is, he's, he's, he's got him wrapped around the middle, and Cap's got his arms in the air, but his, he's squeezing his ribs and his lungs. Or is it a parody? Is there an intensity, an hysterical need in the man's bone-snapping grip? Madness is always scared, Cap. Then the terrible pressure eases as the man sees something. He lets Cap fall as if Cap has ceased to exist. This is insane. What in heaven's name is he after? A billing machine? And um, he picks up this gigantic machine. And, I mean, it's, it's the size of a person, right? And he tosses it through the window, which makes a loud noise, Bob. And we turn the page, and then the man 
enlarges the hole by following the machine out the six-story window. And that makes a noise. <laughs> Cap stands a moment, stunned, and then, great Scott, he committed suicide in front of me. But as he gazes onto the plaza below, seeing no body, he knows the man has merely escaped. Was he really insane? A billing machine. Incredible. And then there's a detective there at the scene at the bottom. Landed on his feet like a cat and ran like a demon poor. My men could nab him. Anyway, he's most likely the one who hospitalized Harris, the board, board of ed member. Board of Education? Social Security? Something's beginning to make sense, Keating, and I don't like it. That evening in Josh's apartment, uh, the two of them are sitting in front of the TV. Josh, do you think you could tell me some more about Joey's father? It seems to me... You heard about him? Yes, in fact, he was sort of famous. This guy Joe Smith was a nothing wrestler until an accident gave him temporary super strength and he tussled with Spider-Man. A movie studio capitalized on all that and gave him a contract. Joe did a show called The Crimson Bat. That's where you know him from. He met Liz, a script girl, at the studio and they fell in love and got married. Crimson Bat ran for three years before low ratings killed it. And Joe found he was typecast as a superhero. They couldn't get any more work. But Joe had a smart manager who invested Joe's money. They had enough to move back to New York and buy an old brownstone. Everything seemed okay. They were looking up when they had a son, Joe Jr. But then the axe fell. Joey turned out to have a birth defect that, if it didn't kill him, would leave him severely retarded. And that was too much for Liz. She left Joe and the kid six months later. And then, uh, so we're seeing a, a recap, you know, uh, visually of, of the story as we go along. There is a note there on the uh, on the pillow next to Joe. Do you, do you, can you read that, Bob? I sure can, Rick. It says, Dear Joe, I don't know how to tell you this in person, so I'm doing it this, this way. I can't take this anymore. I know I'm weak, but I can't. Goodbye, Joe. I love you. Liz. Yeah. Yikes. Steve's gotten a few of those. But I tell you, Joe never gave up. Even when money became tight, he brought Joey every day to us. He loved that kid. He wanted to believe so much that we could make Joey get better that we, Larry, and the rest of us began to believe it too, no matter what the doctor said. And it turned out we were a little crazy to feel that way. We all get a little crazy from time to time, Josh. Turn the page. And we catch uh, Steve and his civilian identity in a crowded subway. It all fits now. Martin Harris recently voted to cut special education funds. And Social Security refused Joe's benefits. And now Joe's only remaining victim is you over there, Larry Sawyer. I don't know how Joe regained his powers. Maybe the experts were wrong and he didn't lose them. I only hope he doesn't use them on you when I'm not around. So basically, he figures out who the next victim's going to be, and he's he's on the train keeping an eye on him. 
and it's it's at night in the uh the the i i say subway but it's more of the train right because it's above ground it's on the tracks that are uh you know going through the city and uh it's um you know out of a, out of like a movie right out of like a 70s movie wouldn't you say yeah, right, sure. Yeah. The figure awaits the oncoming train in silence. He grabs a car, hurtling by smashing an empty conductor's booth. And heavily he walks up the jostling cars to the front of the train. He leans over the side trainman's window, and the madness explodes once more. So yeah, he uh he bursts through a wall and he throws the conductor through the wall. It's terrorists. They've bombed the train. But it's worse than a terrorist who enters the car, leaving the train controls mangled behind him. It is one man's death. And he grabs Larry. No, what are you doing? Who are you? Oh, no, don't kill me. The figure gives no answer. And then we cut to cap because steve has already got into his uniform and now he's pulling his shield out from the shouting he's grabbed larry having my shield in my artist portfolio does save precious seconds and i'm gonna need them joe let go of them we turn the page and we see cap jumping and hitting uh joe i said let go Joe, I don't want to fight, Ugh. but uh, Joe's pretty strong, and he hits him with a big punch, Bob. Pow! But Cap realizes he has no choice, not now, and the trains hurdles on through the night, out of control. Joe, I know you're what you're doing. The, the Board of Education, Social Security, you're getting back at those who might have saved your son, but it won't work, Joe. Joe, listen to me. But Joe keeps trying to, you know, smash him. And the door shatters as Cap dodges Joe's punch. And the wind roars death in their three faces. And he grabs Larry. No, Joe, no. And Larry says, Joe? You can't kill him, Joe. He was your friend. Joey loved him, Joe. You're not a monster, Joe. And he gets up behind him and he, he puts his arm around him and he, he's got him like in a half Nelson. That's what you're thinking, isn't it, Smith? Martin Harris and now Larry. You attack them for not saving Joey, but that's an excuse. That's because you blame someone else for Joey's death. You blame yourself. You're sure the accident that gave you your strength caused Joey's birth defect. You think that makes you a monster. Well, you're not. Under that mask, you're a human being, just as I am. Joey's disease was a tragedy, but it wasn't your fault. It was nobody's fault, and he rips the mask off. And underneath, we see Joe crying. These things happen, Joe. Joe. So we cut to the last page, and we see Joe still holding on to Larry with his body half out of the moving train. Let go of him, Joe. He leaps up and he whirls at Cap. Hands half clenched, but whether in anger 
or supplication. Cap is unsure. And then it is over. And Joe drops to his knees in front of Cap and he says, Help me. Later, when the train has been stopped, the passengers rescued and Joe restrained. And uh, we're there at an ambulance. And Joe's being uh, taken away. And standing there is, is Larry. Well, Cap, I guess no one won this battle. If this were the end of it, you'd be right. But the battle's not over. Whatever happened to Joe is as much a tragedy as what happened to his son. And we've got to fight to save him, just like you did to save Joey. We've got to keep fighting these fights until we win, because if we lose them, there's no hope for any of us. And we just see the back of Cap, and he looks a little sullen. Next, Baron Strucker lives again. Or does he? And then the, the last page here is uh, is a... There's one letter and then a very, 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 very long uh, response by Roger Stern, who is going to be uh, the writer starting of the next uh, issue. And uh, it looks like a a nice little picture of uh, Captain America by John Byrne and Joe Rubenstein. Yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great letter and response by by Roger Stern. If anyone gets a chance to, to read it, it's lengthy, takes up the whole page between the original uh, letter from uh, Matt Kaufman uh, in Urbana, Illinois, uh, talking about basically Cap's identity and his identity crisis over the years and, and whether that had been resolved or not. And, and Roger Stern's response. So it's a, it's a great, great uh, response. What'd you think of the story, Bob? I love the story, Rick. I do. I do. Um, Mostly because I'm fascinated. This, uh, are you familiar with the just world hypothesis? I am not, but I feel like I'm about to learn. You are, Rick. So the just world hypothesis, uh, it's mostly associated with a guy by the name of Melvin Lerner, who was a psychologist in in the 60s and 70s and 80s. And he came up with this just world hypothesis. It's been around a long time, but he's the one who did a lot of clinical uh, research around it. And basically, it's the belief that um, good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people, because we have a very hard time wrapping our heads around the arbitrariness of of our world. And like, not everybody who works hard gets to be successful. Some people who don't work hard get to be successful. People get hit by trains every day. People um, get diseases and die or suffer, and it's not because of anything they did. But we always try to find uh, a rationale, you know, some reason for something happening. Because if we don't, then it's very hard for us to um, to deal with our own sense of mortality and and the risk that we face. And like, how do we plan for the future? If like we can't be assured that when we do the things we're supposed to, that things are going to work out that the way they're supposed to work. And that's what this story is all about. It's about uh, this just world hypothesis, right? It's about like there has to be a reason. Somebody has to be at fault for Joey Jr.'s illness. Right. Right. And and it's all these folks, you know, wrestling with that. And, and at the end of the day, sometimes it's not. It's just arbitrary. Right. And, and there's nothing that can be done about it. And we just have to like live with that and move on. Uh, and Joe, Joe senior had a really hard time dealing with that. Um, yeah. Because of the tragedy of, around it. Right. And as cap said, just sometimes these things happen. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and you said this was called a just world hypothesis? Yeah, the just world hypothesis. So a lot and, of research uh, in the 60s about that. What yeah. was the name of the psychologist? Melvin Lerner. Yeah. 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 Do you know why you uh, you can't hear a psychologist in the bathroom, Bob? <laughs> why can't you hear a psychologist in the bathroom, Rick? Because the P is silent. <laughs> I'll be using that one tomorrow in class. <laughs> uh no i i totally hear you bob i i i like this story for that reason too um yeah. you know not not everybody that captain america has to go up against has to be this major villain um and sometimes you know it's just a somebody dealing with tragedy and uh and in the fact that, you know the guy's name is joe smith and you know he's just a regular joe regular an joe. average joe yeah. He could be any one of us, yeah. right? That's I think the the point here. Yeah. And um, and you know who's to say, right? If if something tragic that happened to us, uh, let's say you know we were to lose one of our kids, mm -hmm. and we were had some freak accident where we all of a sudden had power, would we be tempted to to somehow you know you yeah. you don't know until you're actually in that situation, right. but yeah. And that's what makes this story, I guess, um, while it's it's not a key issue, it's not a monumental thing, didn't change Steve, yeah. it didn't do anything, but it, you know, it hit home in the fact that it was, uh, you know, a, a story that we could relate. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? This 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 antagonist, uh, when when Joe Smith is in his costume, has no name, right? There's no name. And he doesn't talk. Right. He doesn't talk. There's no name associated with that villain. Joe Smith is every man. Mm -hmm. Right. So it could be any man or any person. And uh, and the interesting about the just world hypothesis they found in research is the more impotent that you feel, the more unable to affect any influence on that situation, the more likely it is that you will seek to find somebody to blame for whatever's mm, occurring. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a, this, 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 this short story is short and sweet. Uh, really is a, is a, is a cautionary tale for every reader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, Bob, you get to go first. Um, what was your favorite panel in this book? All right. Well, I got to go. Uh, I really like, I, again, I'm working off a digital version. It's, it's uh, to me, it's page eight. It's that one where he and Joe are fighting for the first time in the social security office. And he gets a face palm uh, to the face. Cap gets a face palm in his face. And you see, you see the big palm over uh, Cap's face and you yeah. see his two blue eyes peeking out uh, between two fingers. I, 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 you know, I like quirky, quirky panels. And that one uh, appeals to me because uh you could just see like the surprise just in the eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, and that says a lot about an artist's ability to, 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 you know, to transmit that emotion with just that much to work with. Uh, and it's, it's just cool because Cap is just shocked that like he got caught off guard. Right. Uh, so that one, I love that one. You know, it's interesting, you know, in the next page, there was something that stood out to me in the writing where it says madness has always scared cap. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's that it really stood out to me. And I'm like, is that real? Is that like, I, like, 
like, you know, no offense, Mr. Gillis, you've only prior to now written three Captain America stories. So I don't know if you have the the history there to to say such a, a huge claim to to say Cap's scared of anything and mm-hmm. and if he is, it's of madness. Um okay. Well then let's let's dive into that. Yeah. Like explain that. But he doesn't. Yeah. 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 I you know, I, I mean I don't know what your read on that is. Do you have a do you have a read on what he means by that? Well, I mean, you know, I mean I guess you could look at different definitions of madness. Um, you know, I think in this situation it's it's the inability to understand the actions like his actions are very very um violent and very uh sudden and you know with the silence behind it um i don't know if it comes across as madness so it's hard to say it's hard to say how about you yeah i i think i think you know caps yeah, he's obviously super strong and super athletic and super agile and all those sorts of things. But his other superpower is his ability to to try to use reason in order to avoid yes. violence, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And and if somebody is uh, unreasonable, right, and, and that's sort of what I'm equating here with the sort of madness he's referring to, somebody who's just blinded by rage and is unable to just take a minute and be reasoned with then that strips cap of, of one of his his true superpowers mm-hmm. uh, and he's left with nothing other than to subdue this uh this antagonist with 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 his brute strength and and his combat ability which is not something that that steve prefers to do right yeah okay anyway yeah uh so what about you rick uh favorite panel i'm gonna go and i'm reading my hard copy here so i'm gonna go with page 27 which is the second to last page um and i'm going to go with the fifth panel and that's where cap in a you know it's a very up um close up of of the two faces cap behind joe and joe's got tears in his eyes and caps behind him and he says these things happen joe and then he says his name again um yeah, that's my favorite panel. I I just it's the you know, it's almost like the five stages of grief, you know? Yeah. Uh and and moving to acceptance here or or at mm-hmm. least caps trying to force acceptance on him. And um yeah, it's, I don't know. There was something about that panel that uh that that struck me. Yeah. Well, and here's Cap, here's Steve, right? At at his best, right? using reason right mm-hmm. he subdued him now and now he's trying to talk him down from from the ledge right he could just beat him into unconsciousness i suppose but he doesn't want to do that he he wants him to relent and uh and back back down on his own accord and he's using his his ability to convince him right with, with the truth of the matter yep mm. so how about how about t-shirt worthy rick you got anything there i do bob i'm gonna put the very last panel of the story uh, where we see the back of Cap, and he's standing there. He's, you know, his head's a little down. He's holding, but he's he's in a, uh, you know, a firm stance, um, ready for anything. But again, his head's tilted slightly down, so he looks a little somber. And I I like the, I like the, the word balloons here, 
so I think that panel with the word balloons would look good on a T-shirt because the panel says we've got to keep fighting these fights until we win, because if we lose them, there's no hope for any of us. And that's just the, you know, the uh, the the spirit behind Cap. You know, he's he's got that uh, perseverance. Yes, I like that. I like it. What's your what are you putting on T-shirt? Bob? All right. Well, a little a uh, little further up uh, page uh, eight, I think it's the first panel. It's the one where Cap has just given a little bit of uh, of a beat down on the previous page to uh, to Joe in their first encounter. It's actually the panel right next to the face plant one. OK. And, th and this one, Cap is looming over uh, 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 a briefly stunned Joe. Right. And he says, friend, I uh, I sincerely suggest you give up. I don't want to hurt. And he doesn't get the last word out because he gets the face plant. But I like I, I like that uh, that image of Cap uh, approaching uh, his uh, his uh, opponents, and, and I love the spirit of you know I don't want to hurt you. Mm -hmm. I suggest you back that. I like that. I could wear that on t shirt and wear that around all day. Mm -hmm. And what about time capsule? What do you put on your? Well, this was a tough one, Rick. This was a tough one, but I am going to have to go with retarded. Uh, I okay yeah, yeah I had that too I did had you? that too I did All right. yeah I, I gotta go with that one man and uh you know we just don't use that word anymore right right but, right uh, that's one of those words I, I've had that talk with my son I'm like we, we don't say that and it's interesting how words change right because back in the really the 50s the 40s words like moron and idiot and imbecile were used by by scientists for people who are uh you know mentally handicapped or mm -hmm. mentally challenged and then we used retarded for a long time and and then we used handicapped and, and now even that's not really not in favor anymore because it can be hurtful to, to, to lots and lots of folks. So, you know, I know we prefer to use uh, disabled uh, as is now the sort of the term that, uh, that is acceptable. And, and I think that's a good thing. So we, we just simply don't use terms like retarded anymore. Uh, so it's a real true snapshot of, of the time frame uh, when this comic was made. Speaking speaking of of that word that we don't use anymore, Bob, um, do you know the the actor Alan Tudyk? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's great. He's, awesome he's great. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He did a a, a web series uh, on TV. Um, I I that sounds stupid, but you can watch it on TV. But it was a web series. It was called Con Man, C O N Man, uh -huh. and uh, he basically played himself, um, where he was an actor who used to be a pilot on a sci-fi show uh -huh. and then the sci-fi show was really popular but it got canceled and then now he he's been typecast and he can't get a job so he yeah. ends up going to these sci-fi cons and uh <laughs> yeah. and it's just he's just miserable and it's just one thing after another yeah so he he's actually at a um <laughs> he's he's at one of the uh conventions and the uh he's there with um uh gosh who's he run into who was the guy who played uh in in lord of the rings uh not frodo but uh the guy who, who went with him all the time uh yeah, his name I, the actor's name's aston i think yeah 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 sean aston sean aston thank you yeah, yeah. and um so he's sitting at a bar with sean aston and sean aston's like yeah he's he's attending these cons you know as himself Right. And he, he mentions something to him about the word retard. And uh, he's like, he's like, um, 
he uses it and Alan's like, Hey, whoa. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm, I'm using it by the definition. If you look it up, it means to hold something back. And <laughs> right, yeah. Right. And yeah. so he, you know, and, yeah. uh, and so he's like, you know, so the, you know, these people, yeah, I don't, I, I'm paraphrasing here or yeah. something like, you know, you're being held back. They're, they're retarding you. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. whatever. Yeah. And so he ends up, he, he ends up going on stage to give a talk and he's talking and he's just like, he mentions like something about, you know, retard and, yeah. and then the audience just goes completely <laughs> silent. And then, cause he can't see the people asking the questions. Cause the people asking the questions are in the dark, yeah. but it was somebody who was mentally handicapped. <laughs> in a wheelchair and he and then he's like no you don't understand no no I, i'm using it in the definition you're you're you know, yeah you know you guys are retarding me <laughs> and then and eventually the crowd just gets all um like hot and bothered and they start like storming him and chasing him and he's running away uh but <laughs> i gotta check that out that sounds good oh yeah, yeah. it's called con man uh yeah. Totally, totally. It's hilarious. They're like, they're like 10, 15 minute episodes. Yeah. Like you can just binge watch a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, but they're so funny. Well, you know, that worked well with my attention span. So yeah, there you Squirrel. go. Yeah. Uh, so Rick, do you, what about your time capsule? Well, since you took mine, Bob, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with the, um, the, the page after the the one that is page 15 in the comics, I mm -hmm. guess page nine for you. Um, that's the, uh, the, the billing machine. Ooh, yeah. The right. Machine. That huge, yeah. huge, ginormous billing machine. That's the size of a person that he throws out of a window. Um, that's definitely. It, it seems like it should have like a crank on it. Right. Like, yeah, you feed the paper cards in there and you crank yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got one of that that feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, so there we go. All that right. was Sins of the Fathers. Good story. It was. All right, Bob. Well, uh, speaking of, of good stories, uh, next episode, we are going to go back to our long tail, Streets of Poison. And we're going to do part two, which is Captain America 373. And uh, this is the um, what we what we do is we we try to do the second Wednesday of every month. We go back to Streets of Poison, and uh, I can't remember what is it five parts. I think so. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. All right. And so before, if you haven't listened to part one, uh, go listen to episode one seventy, and then you'll be all ready to go for next episode one seventy five, Streets of Poison Part Two, Captain America three seventy three. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it because I uh, I'm starting to ex experiment with making old fashions cocktails, so that's going to be my poison for next week. Oh, I like that. Just yeah. warning you in advance. I uh, will see uh, what I do. I don't know. Mm. Mm. Right. Probably be my same old recorder. Same old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob. As always, it has been so much fun wrapping cap with you. It has. I can't wait till next week. All right, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Furbanis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast.